Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may be hearing this. This is Reverend Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and we are in episode 332 of Bible Bites as we continue to read through the scriptures this year. And my reading for this episode is found in chapter 14 through 16 of the book of Romans. Romans 14 through 16. So we conclude the book of Romans today. And in the next uh, session, we'll pick up with the book of 1 Corinthians and begin that book. So let's look at verse uh, chapter 14 through 16. And let's take a few thoughts from these verses as we see that uh, Paul is giving us daily and practical guidance in these chapters, these final chapters of Romans. And we want to see what he is telling us about in chapter 14 through 16. In chapter 14, he is starting out explaining how there's differences among Christians, among the body of believers in regard to certain non-doctrinal areas, and there must be liberty of conscience for that to be free to um, to operate for each person to be able to grow at their own pace and have their own personal convictions. That's what he's dealing with here. He, he calls it as those that are weak versus those that are strong. And <clears throat> he is saying, in essence, that none of us are to judge another in non-doctrinal areas. Now, there are things that, that Christians must agree on that are doctrinal in their basis. But when it comes to practical living, things such as clothing choices, television or no television, uh, you know, whether you wear makeup or not. I mean, just some of the places like, you know, restaurants you might choose to go to or not go to. Different things like that that are just part of daily um, living that we all may have differences of opinion about. And there's freedom in that because God is working in each person. Matter of fact, he says here clearly, he's talking in this particular first section about eating. You know, some people believe in eating certain types of foods. Some don't eat those certain foods. And he's saying, you know, it doesn't matter. Both are accepted by God and there must be freedom of conscience for each person to allow God to work on them. And they can be free without being judged or, you know, having anyone boast against them or condemn them for it. He goes on and he talks about um, the days of the week, you know, how some may honor a certain day of, as opposed to others. There should be freedom in that and there should be no judgment and no condemnation. He speaks clearly about that in verses 10 through 12 because he reminds us in verse 10 that we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And then he goes down verse 12. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. So each person is free to make personal convictions about certain things, recognizing that we will stand before the Lord one day. But there's a growing part of this. There's, there's a, a newness with the Lord and there's a closeness with the Lord and allowing him to speak to us 
in some of these areas. There are some people that don't want to watch any television at all, period. And they've just sort of um, begged off of that. And that's a personal conviction to them. There are others that, that watch certain types of shows. You know, there's just, there's freedom in that is the point that Paul is making here. And none of us should judge each other on these areas that are not doctrinal and we have the freedom to disagree on. He <clears throat> speaks in verse 13, as a matter of fact, and he begins to boil all of this down. In verse 13 of chapter 14, he says this, Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. And then he goes on and he talks about if a brother is grieved. For instance, if you had a Jewish friend or a Jewish neighbor and you wanted to invite them over to your home, if, it's, if they're a Jewish believer maybe that's, that's um, in the Lord and you're a Gentile believer in the Lord, don't serve them things that would be offensive to them. Don't have pork, for instance, as a part of the meal. Because they, they're offended by that. that it, that's an insult. It's, it's something that you need to have your own love for them more than whether you're going to choose that or not. Buy chicken instead, or a steak, or a roast, or something like that instead. That's all he's saying here. Is he's saying, let your love for someone else be greater than whether you feel like you have the right and the freedom to eat what you want to eat. If it offends someone else, then we need to deny ourselves. That's what he's saying. Love should be the guiding principle. Love should be what overcomes and what really motivates us to even say, you know what, I have the freedom to eat pork, but because I love my brother or sister that's coming from next door, I'm not cooking pork tonight. I'm out of honor to them, out of love for them. I'm going to choose something different that won't offend them. That's exactly what Paul is talking about here is something along that. He's saying that eating and drinking is not the priority, but the priority should always be the kingdom of God. And he defines that. He says, verse 17, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, in other words, treating one another rightly, that's our horizontal relationships, and peace, living at peace and in unity with one another where there's no tension and strife, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So in the context of this, he's stressing those things as really being the kingdom of God and loving one another, and love should be the overwhelming um, passion and motivation for it all. And there's freedom within that. But he's saying, don't use your freedom to offend someone else. Then you've, you've messed up and you've stepped beyond what your freedom allows you at that point. So that's what he's saying. He keeps on and he talks about always pursuing what makes for peace and what will edify each other and edify the body. So try to build people up, not fight and argue or tear them down. But rather, his summary is to pursue peace and no offense whatsoever, but rather to edify. Chapter 15, he continues, he talks about bearing with the weak and choosing the things that edify, not tearing down or wounding someone. 
He speaks in verse 4 about how the Old Testament was written and is applicable for us to read. It's for our learning and for our example. So much of the New Testament is only understood in light of the Old. It is connected together and it's one book. And we need both to truly understand the whole of the picture of what God is painting for us. <clears throat> he talks about um, to the Jewish people, he's um, encouraging them in verse 7 through 12 to make sure they accept Gentile believers as one in Christ. In verse 13, I want to read that one to you because this one is one that you can grab hold of also and apply it even today. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you, if you get, if you struggle with having joy and peace, if you struggle with believing, if you struggle with hope, then let this verse be a comfort to you that you would pray that God, the God of hope, will fill us, fill you with all joy and peace in believing and let you abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because we all get weary sometimes, and we need that encouragement from the Lord. Praise God. And then he goes on and he talks about um, his ministry mostly being to the Gentiles. Verse 20 and 21, I want to read this. He says, And so I've made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I would build on another man's foundation, but as it is written, to whom he was not announced, they shall see and those who have not heard shall understand. In other words, Paul is saying, I'm an apostle sent by God, and it's my desire to reach new people. I want to go beyond. There are other people serving in the kingdom of God, and I don't have to necessarily work in their fields. I'm looking for people that I can reach that haven't yet heard about Jesus. And so that's what he's saying there. Praise God. I found this interesting. In this section here for the rest of uh, this section here in 25 and so on. He talks about going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints and how a contribution has been gathered by some of the Gentile churches that he is taking to the saints. And this is very important for us even today. And it may be, <clears throat> it may be something that we need to take heart to and consider even in our own missions, offerings, and giving of offerings to the Lord. It says in verse 27, it pleased them indeed, and they are their debtors. In other words, he's established for us in some of these readings that we've already had, how in some ways we're indebted to the Jewish people because it was through the Jews that the oracles of God came, the word of God, the Messiah came through the Jewish line. There's, there's the covenants that the Jewish people have brought to us. We are grafted into that beautiful tree. And so he says this, for if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. In other words, he's establishing a principle here that we need to recognize and consider when we're looking at giving, giving offerings above our tithe. Now, our tithe, according to the Word of God, belongs in the storehouse, that place that we call home spiritually, that church or 
or fellowship that we are a part of and linked with. That's where we need to be supporting with our tithe. But the offerings are above the tithe. And those are the ones that Paul speaks about being a cheerful giver in our offerings. And, and you know, that there being flexibility and they're, they're, they're up to us. God gives us freedom. In the Old Testament, he talked about bringing the free will offerings to the Lord. Those things that you just want to give God because you love him and because you're thankful. And so Paul is saying here that in essence, we might need to consider it a duty to to include some form of Jewish ministry in regard to our offerings to support the Jewish church, the work of the, the Messianic Jewish movement, etc., to bless the Jewish people. And the foundation for that <clears throat> goes all the way back to Genesis 12, 1 and 2, where God promises that he will bless those who bless Israel. And so there is a foundational verse for that in the Old Testament. And Paul is even picking up on that now and saying, you know what? In a way, we owe it to the Jewish people to help them in material things because of the great blessings we have received through the word of God that they preserved for us in the Old Testament scriptures and through, especially through the Messiah, that the Savior of the world that came through Jesus Christ. So consider that and pray over that and see if the Lord might want you to make sure that a part of your offerings might be going to some form of Jewish ministry, Messianic Jewish ministry, etc. So that's something for you to consider and pray over. In chapter, uh, in chapter 15, he, he basically is concluding this and Paul has a way of always, you know, leaving us with a with a salutation or with a with a conclusion. Here now, the God of peace be with you all. Amen. You come over to the other chapter, and he is finishing up his words here, and he's giving a, a blessing. He's giving a prayer in essence. But in chapter sixteen, the conclusion of this, I love this because he is listing a whole lot of people here. And he's giving them commendation. He's uh, commending both males and females, men and women, who both have been fellow servants with him. Even one he called uh, an apostle. Note, he said one of, uh, he says in verse 7, that these two, he lists, they are of note among the apostles. So apparently they were called to be apostles as well in the early church. He's listing Phoebe, a, a female, a sister in the Lord, a servant, greeting Priscilla and Aquila, both of those being fellow workers Jesus, um, in, the, in the work of the Lord Jesus. And so Paul, it was interesting because Paul and the New Testament church gave honor to women in ministry as well as to the men. There was no distinction there. There was some order and structure, yes, but they recognized that God's Spirit was poured out upon men and women, and all of them were serving together as brothers and sisters in the Lord. And I love that. Now, he also gives a warning beginning in verse 17. And he, he says, Be careful and note the people that will cause division and offense, teaching things that are contrary to the doctrine you've learned and he says, avoid them, avoid them completely. 
He says this, for those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. In other words, they want things for themselves. And by smooth words and flattering speech, deceive the hearts of the simple. We need to be careful because not everything that glitters is gold and not everything that calls itself Christian is Christian. And we need the discernment of the Holy Spirit to be able to know the difference. So don't just fall for everything. Be careful and watch out and trust God to lead you. Hallelujah. And he ends that section in verse 20 with the victory, with the guarantee of the victory. The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Praise be to God. And then he concludes this. Now, it says in verse 22, I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, greet you in the Lord. And that was an associate or a, an assistant maybe to Paul, um, perhaps even a transcriptionist, we might call him, because he may have been writing this letter on Paul's behalf as Paul would dictate it. But Paul earlier in the book identified himself as the author. So this was a man that was assisting him in the work. And then I just want to conclude with verses 25 through uh, 27, where he is giving praise to God. He said, now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of this mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, for obedience of the, to the faith, to God alone, to God alone wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Paul was concluding with praise to God and, and a desire, a sincere desire that he receive all of the glory and all of the honor and that his people be blessed and edified. Oh, how sweet that we are now getting into the epistles and seeing how the church fathers and the early apostles felt toward the church and what they cared about and how they instructed us. And these truths are still applicable to us today. Praise God for his word. I pray this has been a blessing to you. And Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes of Bible Bites. God bless you today. In Jesus' name.